Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. How are y'all doing this Thursday afternoon? Welcome, welcome to Late Launch Love Bug Week on the show. Thanks to the Glenside Hotel. You see, we've teamed up with our good friends at the Glenside Hotel all this week on Late Lunch to give away some fantastic prizes leading up to Valentine's Day next Tuesday, which is the 14th of the month. Of course, why not book a romantic Valentine's dinner for two with live music or make a night of it and stay in the newly decorated bedrooms there with breakfast the next day? For more information, give them a shout at the Glenside Hotel or check it out online, glensidehotel.com. What have they given us today on Late Lunch? I have a €100 Euro voucher to spend on their Carvery lunch at the Glenside. And I'll tell you, I know this, their Carvery lunch is legendary at the Glenside Hotel. It really, really is. It has a huge following and understandably, the food is simply wonderful. €100 Euro for the Carvery lunch at the Glenside Hotel on late lunch today. How can it be yours? Well, as I said, it's Love Bug Week on late lunch. Oh, Maybe reverse a little. What bugs you about the love in your life? Is there something that annoys you about your wife, husband, partner? Let me know and it could be you winning that prize today. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Come on, let us know now. Send us a voice or if you like to as well by WhatsApp. 086-1800-658. We'll be hearing from you and perhaps you'll be hearing from me before the end of the show. Now... We spoke uh, yesterday on the show uh, from a couple of different perspectives about the awful earthquake in Syria and Turkey. And something has raised its head in the last 24 hours that has been tossed about much in the past. And that is the connection between the town of Drogheda and Turkey. And of course, all aid welcome for Turkey and Syria. However you give, please do and give generously. But this link um, is the subject of debate. And joining me on the line today is historian Sean Collins, who knows his history. Afternoon, Sean. Good afternoon, Terry. Thanks for joining me once more on the show. Well, look, can I start with this? The crest of Drogheda Town, as you know well, is the star and crescent. And, you know, that is pointedly referred to as a link with Turkey and the Turkish people. Can we start there? What's your take on that? Well, first of all, um, let me say I I would sympathise very much with the people of Turkey and I would endorse your view that people should try and help them in any way they can. But on to historical matters, um, the star and crescent, of course, has been a a long... uh, 
I called it a bugbear at this stage with uh, alleged Turkish connections on Drogheda. Um, when Orban II called the Fourth Crusade in uh, 1184, uh, he called on the uh, Christendom, as he called, as he put it, uh, to come and save Jerusalem from the Muslims. Uh, the, the Muslims were taken over. He called the Crusade, and various kings uh, became embroiled in the Crusade. Uh, Richard the Lionheart, the, the Plantagenet kings, King John, uh, and they sent armies uh, on crusade uh, to save Jerusalem. Uh, medieval man was very superstitious, and they were guaranteed by the Pope that if they went on crusade, they would automatically get into heaven. Uh, no purgatory or anything like that. Um, the crusaders adopted their emblem, the Star and Crescent, it was an eight-pointed star, which was the star of the Virgin, rising over the moon of Muslim. That's where the emblem comes from. So Richard the Lionheart and King John both had strong connections with Drogheda. Um, Richard gave the first grant uh, to Walter de Lacy, the man that established the town. Uh, John possibly visited us in 1210, but he definitely gave us a, a charter. And in common with towns like uh, um, Portsmouth in England and Southsea and possibly Bristol, the Star and Crescent is in their coat of arms as well. Mm. And the link is the Plantagenet kings because they adopted it. They, that was their crusade or emblem. Uh, there are coins uh, in the National Museum which were minted in Drogheda in the 1200s and they have the Star and Crescent on them. So that gives you an idea of the antiquity of the emblem and its connection with the town. Um, in the town itself, uh, you have buildings like uh, John's Home at Peter Street, uh, possibly one of the oldest charities in Ireland, if not, not possibly, nearly, certainly. Uh, it dates back to the 1400s. Uh, and on the gateway, which is 1816, uh, you can see St. John's and the Star and Crescent displayed. So it's an emblem that goes way back with the town itself to the Plantagenet Kings, uh, nothing to do with Torquay whatsoever. Um, but moving on then to the notion of, of a Turkish connection. Yes, and this is, Sean, this is this uh, story that we hear that... Uh, People of the townspeople of Drogheda were starving. You'll tell the story anyway. And that was it three Turkish ships sailed up the Boyne with uh, food and supplies, etc., and lifted the siege or whatever and saved the town. Well, that's the, that's the popular story, Jerry. And uh, as many people would say, why let uh, uh, history get in the, in the way of a good story? Uh, but my take on it is this in the 1990s, uh, a local businessman, Aidan Robinson, who you'd remember, an auctioneer, mm. uh, a very a great advocate for Drogheda. Aidan had collected um, old pictures, postcards, documents, all sorts of things about Drogheda. And he put them all in a book, which he called Ancient Drogheda. Uh, not uh, to make money around them, just to give the people an opportunity to see them. It's a, it's a lovely little book. And he said in the book that he was told that uh, the reason we had a star and crescent was that at time of famine, Turkish ships brought relief to Drada. Now, he didn't say what famine, 
he just said a time of famine. Uh, we had famines, Jerry, in the 13th, 14th, 15th, and 19th centuries. So does any amount of famines to pick from? Uh, maybe they came on one of those. I don't know. Uh, but uh, shortly afterwards, uh, a local politician uh, announced that the uh, ships came in 1847 uh, during the Great Famine, as we know it, or Black 47, as it's best known. Now, my problem with that is, in 1790, uh, the Drogheda Port Company was established, and they have the most meticulous records and archives that I have ever ever seen. And any uh, canoe, raft, boat, or ship that came up in the buoyant from 1790 on is recorded in their records. Uh, meticulous research has been carried out, indeed forensic research, I call it, by the likes of Ned McHugh, a very prominent historian locally, and they've never found any Turkish ships recorded. When that was first raised uh, with the Turkish embassy back in the 1990s, uh, they told us, no, they came up in the middle of the night, so nobody actually saw them. Uh, The question we must ask then is, uh, if you want to come up the point on a boat, you have to come up with a high tide. So how did they know there was a high tide in the night that they came up the point with their three ships and mysteriously unloaded all the supplies and then sailed back down the point and were gone by next morning? Uh, so I just find that a little bit hard to understand. But there is no record of ships coming, Turkish ships arriving in Brahada uh, from 1790 up to 1900. Uh, and that's why I just find the story a little bit fantastical. As I said, why would you let uh, history get in the way of a good story? Sean, uh, Sean, I, I, I have to say, you explain it so well, but I come back to this. Is there any possibility that ships came in the 13th, 14th or 15th century when you mentioned there, there were other famines? Oh, exactly. Well, that's that's what we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. But what I would say is this. Uh, in research I've done, it showed that uh, Turkey was part of the Ottoman Empire. And the Ottomans adopted a star and crescent as an emblem in 1453, which would be roughly 300 years after the Crusaders had adopted it. Um, after they conquered Constantinople, uh, in 1453, and that's when they started using a star and crescent emblem. Uh, also, they commissioned a study of when Turkey first used the star and crescent, and their study found that they started using the star and crescent in 1920. Uh, they put it on their flag. So to draw the angle on the star and crescent goes back a long, long way before those things. Uh, the possibility of help coming during those early famines, well, uh, I, I can't deny it or, or uh, confirm it. But the 19th century, 1847, had Turkish ships come up that river, they would have been recorded by the Drahada Port Company. And that that would be my point. Uh, the Star and Crescent, the Drahada Star and Crescent, like the one at Bristol and uh, uh, South Sea in England, uh, all have eight pointers, eight points, eight, eight pointed stars. It's known as the Star of the Virgin. Mm. 
the star used by uh, Torquay is not an eight-pointed star, and it sits well away from the, the crescent moon. Uh, Mary McAleese said, you know, uh, when she was president, that it looks like the the, the, the emblem on the Drogheda soccer shorts, and which is fair enough, it does look like it. But um, um, I think it's more to do with coincidence than it has to do with history. Mm. I'm just looking here at the Portsmouth Football Club crest, which is a star and crescent as well, and it has the eight-pointed star over the crescent moon, and that crest dates back on that football club to 1898. You know, so your your, your story about, you know, this... Uh, what would you say being um, was it granted by the kings to the those areas in the south of England or did they just take the, it the, the, the link would seem to be Jerry that Portsmouth Drogheda they have charters from both Richard and King John right that would seem to be the link uh, Richard the de Lacy's established Drogheda Hugh de Lacy established the town uh, he was killed at Durham in 1889 and his eldest son Walter hadn't reached his majority at that stage. In other words, he wasn't 21. So he, would, he had to wait till he was 21 to be able to claim his father's rights. Uh, John, King John, or Prince John, who was ruling in England then because Richard the King was away on crusade, uh, the one thing about he was noted for was he didn't have any property. Indeed, his surname, uh, or the name they gave him, was John Lackland. He lacked land. He didn't have property. Many believe that he saw an opportunity in uh, Mead, in the kingdom of Mead, to gain some land for himself. So he wouldn't entertain the Lacey. He wouldn't allow the Lacey take over his father's kingdom of Mead. And it was only in 1194 when Richard returned from crusade and spent about three months in England that Walter the Lacey petitioned Richard for his father's rights and land in Ireland and he was granted them and that's why Drogheda's first charter is 1194 you remember a few years ago we celebrated the 800 mm. and that was 1194 to 1994 mm. so there's the links Richard uh, only lived for about another two or three years and Prince John became um, the king he didn't uh, depose the Lacey he left the Lacey alone but he did grant a charter to Drogheda in 1210. And he came to Carlingford, and this castle, uh, the Carlingford Castle is King John's. And on King John's throne in Christchurch in Dublin, the star and crescent, the eight-pointed star and crescent, is carved into the head of the throne. So the star and crescent link uh, with those towns, in my opinion, and in many people's opinion, it's due to the Plantagenets. Mm. So there you have it. That is, those are the facts, ladies and gentlemen, before you now. And, uh, you know, that is the actual history. So again, Sean, coming back to 1847. Yes, it's a bit uh, difficult. The darker night, the tide, the unloading of the ships, gone by morning. Mm, I don't buy that, to be honest with you. I'm relieved, Jerry. I'm relieved. <laughs> I don't. But anyway, Sean, people are away writing about this in the context, as you say, and your words are lovely as well. I, I I say it again. We think of the people of Turkey and Syria today and the awful tragedy that this 
earthquake has wrought on them and I say again help please in any way you can because it really will be appreciated but there is the story of that Turkish link with Drogheda that's been written about at the moment from the man that knows Sean Collins. Sean listen you're a star you're fantastic thank you and that's no pun in that the star in Crescent when I say that anyway you're so good to us I thank you for clarifying the situation today. Thank you Jerry. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's uh, Sean Collins there. On the real history of the Star and Crescent, etc. On this day in 2002, the euro came into being in shops and businesses uh, across the country. There was a dual period before that where you had the old Irish punt and the euro. But on this day in 2002, 21 years ago, uh, it was full steam ahead for the euro. Do you remember, Louise? Do you remember that conversion time um, back then? I should, but I don't. Yeah, neither do I. You know, I and, don't have a lot yeah. of recollection of it. And I'm, I'm reading here that, you know, shops had two prices on products for a good while after that. I can't remember that. No, me neither. I just remember, did you put, was it one fifth you added? In well, the difference or like a punt was worth X amount in euro and you're kind of trying to do it in your head, you know, that sort of way. Well. Was it? 78 yeah, 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 cent or yeah, yeah, yeah. something or something Well, like let me that. tell you, I have the figure here. I have the, the figure today. If you have an Irish pound, an old Irish punt today, mm. it's worth one euro, 26 cent, almost okay. 27 cent. So the other way, you're right, when you, if you, when you reverse the conversion, mm. the other way. So an, an Irish pound punt was worth one euro, 26, 1.269, almost mm. one euro, 27 cent is the conversion. Do you know there's still an awful lot of Irish pounds out there? Is there? Oh, there's a lot of Irish pounds out there still. Yes, there are. And uh, they believe there's a substantial amount that haven't yet come forward. And the central bank, I believe, will still accept them. Oh, right. If you have puns. I wonder, has anyone... Would anybody like to get rid of them at this stage, though? Well, I suppose people... I think I have an, a pound at home. You know yeah. what I mean? A, a punt somewhere, I think. And I might have a five or something that I just kept for sentimental sake do you know what I mean just mm-hmm. to have it to show to you know the grandchildren and now this was the uh, other currency that we we dealt in I might even even have an old English pound somewhere you oh, know which no. you know was before mm-hmm. that even again um, but I think I would have an old Irish punt somewhere stuff somewhere I could and get a lot for it back then well, like it marked the demise oh of all the 99p my. shops yeah yeah. Everyone, all the kids went to buy their mommies and daddies <laughs> Christmas presents and presents out of. Yeah, that's true. It's so much in the 99p. Yeah, it had many implications. I wonder, has anybody listening to us today got an old Irish punt or pound or a five or anything? If you have, let us know. 086-1800-658. Um, you might, you might, the great at this, I know. If you have a phone, take a picture of it. And WhatsApp it into us, will you? Take if you've an old anyone out there have a a pound handy or a fiver from the punt era. Take a picture of it and WhatsApp it into us, would you? If you if you have anybody has it, it's a long shot maybe. Oh eight six eighteen hundred six five eight. WhatsApp it into us. I, I'd love to see if there's any out there. Oh, I have to say, late lunch listeners are fantastic. Twenty one years ago today, the punt ended and in came the euro and I just mentioned has anybody got old notes at home well my god almighty you've astounded me and I want to say to you you better get to the central bank and change this money Rose has a fiver and two one notes Annette sent me in a load of coins Annette and Kells there's others there without names on them I see a ten shilling note and a tenner and a one that somebody else has but look at this one 
A hundred pound note you have. A ten and two ones. Oh, I wouldn't be holding on to that hundred, to be honest. And there's more there as well. Thank you so much. Lovely to see uh, the old notes. Now... We're moving on on late lunch this afternoon and I am truly delighted to welcome a very good friend of ours back to studio. And I just said to him on the way in, I am delighted that he's with us here today because when I tell you that Dr. Harry Barry has a brilliant new book out, it's called The Power of Connection. And as you know, he's been here with all his publications. But Harry, may I say to you, they're all fantastic. But this book is brilliant, may I say? Yeah, no, thank, thanks very much, Jerry. And you know, it maybe it's a book for our time, Jerry. You know, it is. Uh, if if ever we need to start actually connecting properly together again, you know, I think we've come through an enormous triple hit. You know, we started with social media. It's hard to believe. Like our social brain has taken tens of thousands of years. The modern brain, they figure, even though we're hundreds of thousands of years, the modern brain actually figures only about thirty thousand years old, which is actually quite recent. But in that 30,000 years, our social brain has been developing, 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 developing. And now it's kind of totally sophisticated. And and, and and so all the social skills that we all take for granted are powered by this incredible social brain. But the social brain is coming under enormous pressure with this triple hit. It started really in the last 20, 25 years with the arrival really of social media and the smartphone. Mm. And those two things together, I mean, how often are we out in restaurants? Everybody's head down. How often do you see a group of children? head down. How often do you see a mother with a small baby? Uh, mother is in the phone and the, and the poor child looking for her for those lovely uh, moments. Do you know what I mean? That actually create that bonding with the child. And just stop there for yeah. a moment. I'm just another eureka moment. That is the start for that child yes. of developing these skills. skills. That's and how if they that learn. is taken away, Harry... This is disaster. This is disaster. But, but the worry I have is that uh, this was followed on. Do you know what I mean? So this was getting worse and worse and worse. And I was very concerned. I, I started to write this book prior to the p- uh, pandemic, believe mm. it or not. And then the pandemic hit. Mm. And then suddenly we all had this worldwide experiment. What would life be without this real human interface, social connection skills? And what happened was we were all at home, stuck at home. We were we were listless. We, 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 you know, we lost something. The luster went out of life. The joy went out of life. We were craving for human contact. Do you know? Okay, uh, people got to hate Zoom meetings. Got to hate these WhatsApp groups. All these false ways in which we tried to make connections with each other. But we were missing crucially that one-to-one. Um, uh, bonding, you know, and I mean? yet in a way, you've got to say, and you do say it in the yes, book, yes. that it saved us as well. It in saved terms us, of, of course, it did. Like, I yeah. mean, this is the this is the, the mm. shall we say the paradox of social yes. media. Uh, it's it's here to stay, and and like uh, the third one, hybrid working or remote working. I think people who are doing remote working were incre- found it incredibly difficult, you know, uh, during the pandemic, and now we have hybrid working. And although there's huge pluses, and I'm the first to say, look, there are great advantages for people and they think we have to and it's reducing the amount of commuting and that kind of stress but it's creating its own difficulties you know because we're not we're missing out on those social interactions at work mm. I know we're coming in um, maybe for several days during the week but the problem is you, you you know when you come in I've actually had people say to me that they're coming into ghost workplaces where there's only a percentage of the people present and it's like it's, and there's uh, computers up all over the place with signs saying remote remote working 
Do you know what I mean? And and so we're not having that natural, normal interactions that we were having. Do you know what I mean? And work is yeah. more than work, as you say exactly. in that book, isn't it? it is, work is not just about the money we bring in. and mm. the, Of course, that's critical, important for our lives. But it's also a social, uh, it's, a way, it's a way we socialise. And so much of our work nowadays, so much of our socialising is done through our work, whether we like it or not. So if we start to remove all that. So my concern really is that bit by bit, we're starting to erode these natural skills that we all develop. We don't, we're not born with them, by the way. We have to learn them through childhood, adolescence and early adult life. So you can imagine a young person, for example, having come through a pandemic, having very little social uh, contact, now find themselves in the middle of a job. Do you know what I mean? Suddenly they find that, that they're a lot of the time uh, remote working. They're not meeting their other fellow colleagues. They're not getting, and you know the way, like, uh, uh, when you start in a job, it's always those social interconnections that tell you, this is how you do that and this is how you do that. And you're missing all that and also the, their ability to make friendships and relationships they're all going to be interfered with so throw all that mix in together and we have really dark clouds on the horizon I, I, I one of the things I said um, recently was are we heading for a dystopian future do you know what I mean where to a certain extent all our communication is going to be done online and social media I mean the guys now want to bring in the metaverse they want us now to actually go into a, a virtual reality so are we actually going to reach a point where we're actually losing uh, uh, losing contact with what really matters? And what really matters are those normal human connection skills. And I think a lot of our young people are missing those skills. I think a lot of us adults are eroding these skills through all these different, uh, um, um, shall, shall we say, um, barriers that are coming at them. So uh, I wrote the book with the intention of, um, well... It's, firstly, I wanted to explain everyone about the social brain, how important mm. it was yes. and how it developed and how we have this amazing system in our brain uh, between our rational brain, our emotional brain, our language centres and these extraordinary things like our mirror neuron system, which mirrors what is going on in the face of, in the, face of the other person and your spindle cells, these extraordinary big, long, uh, very fast acting cells in your brain, which make these lightning fast decisions uh, in your social situations. That's, do I like a person? Do I not like a person? Do I leave this area? Do I not leave this area? And all this is going on subliminally and subconsciously in your brain all the time. And they're the power. That's the powerhouse for all these social skills. Mm. So what I really wanted to do is say, well, what are these social skills? And are we at risk of really starting to lose some of these? And you break it down into four verbal, non-verbal, people to people and the personal development skills. skills. Now, are we sleepwalking? towards a disaster now. Well, I, I, from all you're saying yeah, to I, Well, my concern is that everybody is assuming that this is okay. Do you know what? Everybody is assuming that, uh, you know, social media is here to stay, technology is here to stay, hybrid is working to stay. So why are we even talking about this? Do you know what I mean? This, this is a done deal. But I'm saying, yes, it might be a done deal. and it's, But it's not a case of either or. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying that we get rid of social media. Yes. Of course I'm not. And I'm yes. not saying that we, we clear uh, hybrid working. Of course, those we have to take the benefits of those things. But a parallel to that, we need a new discussion. And those discussions has got, has got to be about what are the social skills we all need for real life? Like, how can we solve relationship problems, work issues, family problems, conflicts in life? Do you know, how do I become a great communicator? How do I become a great listener? How do I become a great conversationalist? And these are all skills. We just don't, we're not born with these skills. We have to work on them and develop them. And one of my concerns is that we have nearly lost contact with what those skills are. Mm. And what I wanted to do was almost 
get, get our brains to mindfully and uh, consciously focus on those skills and see, well, where do I stand in relation to those skills? Am I really as good as I think I am in terms of conversation or listening or whatever? And for example, I have seen these uh, social skills transform the lives of so many people. You take a very simple condition like social anxiety, which affects so many of our uh, young people particularly. You can clear your social anxiety really, really quickly with many of the skills in this book. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And that, that sounds like an extraordinary thing to say. I have seen it over and over and over and over again. The number of people who I've assisted, do you know what I mean, by helping them to learn these skills mm. is, 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 is huge. Did you ever think, I'm just uh, cross my mind yeah. here, that you'd actually be writing a book for the masses rather than, you know, you've yes. dealt with many cases yes. over the years. Yes. But did you ever think this is for us all? This is for everybody. And you're saying it's necessary. Yes, it's necessary. And I, I, if you're a parent, you need to read this book. If you're a young person, you need to start learning these skills. Workplaces, I guarantee you, will come back to this book because eventually workplaces are going to suddenly start realizing we're missing something here. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Our, our, for example, a Microsoft sur- um, survey there recently showed that 30% of their st- staff who are using hybrid working, remote working, are feeling a lot, a lot more lonely. Now, there's the first signs. Loneliness is going to start increasing. We're going to get more stressed. We're going to get more anxious. Why? Because we're not getting rid of that by all these normal social interactions. That's our way. Of, suppose you have a bad, a, bad, a bad day. You wake up in the morning. You're not in good form. You go into work and suddenly you're chatting away to people about all kinds of different things. By lunchtime, you've forgotten. <laughs> it's true. Do you know what I mean? It's true. But now, if you're sitting there brooding at home mm. in, a, in a box room, do you know, in a face by four walls, do you know what I mean, for the day, having to do Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting, or emails after emails, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not having a chance to kind of get rid of all of that. Mm. And the problem with all this is these are skills, and it's a bit like a muscle. If you stopped using your muscle, suppose you stopped using a, a muscle, as we all know, when we have an injury, it starts to atrophy. Yes. And the brain has this extraordinary capacity. It's called use it or lose it. It's called neuroplasticity. So our brain has has a choice. You either help it to keep these up to speed. Do you know what I mean? Or they're going to start atrophy. And then we're going to find a lot of our young people are going to struggle in social situations. Mm. They're going to struggle with conversation. They're going to struggle with listening. They're not going to be as empathetic. They're not. They're going to spend all their time rating themselves. Like there's a, a, one of the areas in the book that we'll come back to come, come up to is self acceptance, for example. They're going to find themselves rating all the time. So they're they're losing out in those skills. And what happens? When you, for example, go into a romantic relationship, do you know what I mean? You can't do that over it. Like people, I, I was asked yesterday about online dating. Do you know mm. what I mean? And online dating is, is, is nearly the only way in which uh, modern young people can nearly meet each other, which is a terrible reflection on it in itself, that instead of meeting in parties and dances and, and as we would have discos. all done, the old discos in all the old days, yeah. now it's online dating, online dating, online dating. And so many people are so disappointed and have so many bad experiences through this. And uh, my first piece of advice was it's fine to use online dating to make the contact but by God make sure that you meet that person very very quickly Quickly. because that's the only way you can by looking at them face to face and your social brain checking out their social brain and you get a very quick uh, yes I like this or I don't like this do you know what I mean is a classic example of this in practice Mm. and you know I just see you and I here in the studio this is the first time we've been face to face in quite a while we've spoken on the phone and and I've missed that and so have I may I say right Harry so we've addressed you know the challenges the 
the development of the smartphone technology, the pandemic and the hybrid working. But through this book, and I want to tell listeners this again, you work people through these issues yes. and help them along the way. But let's talk about the essential life skills, the four I, I just alluded to them yeah. earlier on. So, variable. Yeah, so I started off with the, the first one. The variable is the obvious one. How we listen. And believe it or not, uh, I'm very concerned that our listening skills are getting very, very poor. Why? Because listening skills require great concentration on the other person. Whereas what's happening? We're being totally distracted by our phones constantly. So we're only half listening. And we've almost got to the point where we're where we I call it passive listening, where we're kind of listening at one level and not listening at another level. We're not we're hearing, but we're not listening. And I make that very clear distinction in the book, whereas active listening involves, for example, three interesting things, listening to the details of what the person is saying, most importantly, listening to the emotions that the person is expressing. And finally, something we're dreadful at, listening to the silence. Now, there's an interesting one that nobody ever talks about. Mm. And then we have conversational skills. Uh, and for example, people with social anxiety, they absolutely have terrible problems with, with, with conversational skills. But we all think we're great conversationists. But are we really? So I, I, I look at all the, the, shall we say, problems that I see in, in, in the way people are carrying on conversations. So to be a great conversationist, you have to be able to put yourself at the back and the other person at the front. You have to be able to show total uh, that your that your non-verbal cues are showing the other person that you're listening properly and you're conversing properly. Uh, we need to something I'm absolutely crying about at the moment is that we're losing our sense of curiosity. Mm. And if you want to be a great conversation, you have to be curious about every solitary person you meet and everything that's going on in their lives. And uh, great conversations are really curious about other people. Do you know, mm. and learning learn how to how to manage in social situations when you're struggling. Do you know what I mean? Where you so I, I I develop. But the really important thing is I show you how you do it it's yes. not a question of just that's yes. the problem it's how you do it and that's the big thing that I love yes, about yes. this book and you talk about like you're talking about yeah. verbal there yeah. look at you and me here yeah. I'm just looking at you yeah. now look look we're the having the non-verbal our, our hands are going back and forth we're reading our, one another our eye contact our facial expressions our body language and we know that we both are really interested in the, and we both know that we care about the other person do you know so there's that lovely bond now suppose I my non-verbal cues which are my eye contact my facial expressions, my body language, my distance from a, from a person, touch, all those critical, even even how I say something, do you know what I mean? How I use my hands, all those things, they're all non-verbal. And that you're, most of your conversations, believe it or not, with other people, most of your connections are non-verbal. Yes. It's actually, you don't yes. realise it, but there's two parallel conversations going on. One, we're having a conversation that we're hearing about w- words and language. Yeah. And the other is completely, is the, you know, am I reading this person? They, they're saying one thing, but they seem to be, their body language <laughs> yes. telling me something else. And you can't you know, do that on a no, Zoom call. No, you can't call do that on a Zoom a call. Phone so that's why when you go out on a date with somebody in 10 seconds, there you'll pick up their non-verbal cues. Yes. And, you'll, and the, the third uh, critical area then is what I call people-to-people skills. Mm. And I think these are... These are very underrated skills. Empathy. I I regard, for example, a a recent survey in 2016 showed that American students are 40% less empathetic than than their precursors. So in other words, we're losing our sense of empathy. Mm-hmm. And empathy is where is being able to move into this where is this other person emotionally? And is sensing where they're at. And your mirror neuron system in the brain is mirroring what their story, if they're telling you, for example, that it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. 
You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. They've lost somebody, somebody very close to them. You're, you're mirroring their sadness. So you start to feel that sadness. Mm. And then you have cognitive empathy is when both of you are in that zone. And suppose a problem comes up. Well, then you're able to take perspective on that because you, you can switch into more problem solving mode. And so cognitive empathy and uh, emotional empathy particularly are the hearts uh, of people to people skills. And you can't get that on a, on a, on a machine. Mm. And other ones are like how to read nonverbal cues. You know, am I right or am I wrong? Are mm. my first impressions right? All those kind of things. And how do I how do I check all that out? How do I learn those skills? And the last one is how do I manage conflict? My God, in a world which is obsessed yes. with conflict. Yes. Uh, how, and then we have all those wonderful personal skills. I call these personal development skills because you can only be as good a communicator as you are happy within yourself. So self-acceptance is absolutely vital. You've got to learn unconditioned self-acceptance where you stop rating yourself but accept responsibility for your behaviour. In a world obsessed with rating, 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 rating and social media and all the rest of it, we're obsessed with, with this. So Learning to back off that and learn to be kinder to ourselves and more self-acceptance, but acceptance of our responsibility. There's a huge one. Mm. Learning how to be kind in our in relation to how we communicate with each other. Really, really important. Um, learning things like gratitude. Learning things like humour. Having a sense of humour. My God, is that, you know, I, I sometimes see I, one good crack can sort out. A, a, a day of messing do you know what I mean so in other words you could just say uh, sometimes people are getting really head up about something and somebody cracks a joke and everybody breaks into laughter and that's the end of the problem and it just and that only happens yeah. when you're in the presence Essence, and as yes, my mother yeah. used to say laughter is the best medicine laughter and that's what is the best medicine and then you know the, the, the other two things that kill communication are hurt and frustration those two emotions are two of the most destructive so if I'm if I'm hurt all the time then I'm I'm bitter I'm 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 pushing people away. I'm prickledy. I'm hypersensitive, and of course, then people respond to me accordingly, and then I respond back, and then we get into this uh, back and forth situation where I'm pushing people away. Now that's not a that's not a way to communicate mm. with people. So if I want to really be a great communicator, I have to learn how to manage my hurt, and also to learn to manage my frustration that the world isn't going to change to suit me. Much and all as I love it, it would be wonderful, and that there's going to be a bit of hustle and discomfort in life. Well, you know, you're going to have to accept that. So all of these skills I can tell you so what we did was we decided we would do a four week program so in other words it, rather than trying to learn them all because you can't do it mm. I, we decided right suppose you took four weeks 
and you took one skill from each of those sections. Yes. And I practiced that solidly for that week. And then the following week, go to the next section and pick a skill that at the end of four weeks, I would have a, I would have a working knowledge of four of those social skills. And I might decide, OK, I'm happy now to move on. So I move on to the next four weeks and I take four. I take one from each section again. And at the end. So at the end of 12 weeks, I would have 12 key social communication skills learnt. Mm. And then I can practice those. Now, just think of how, suppose you were empathetic and you suddenly learned how to listen, learn what your verbal cues were, learn what body language was all about, learning about eye contact. Suppose I learned how to manage conflict. Suppose I learned self-acceptance. Bit by bit, I'm building up all the building blocks of the great communicator. Mm. And you may say, well, why would I bother doing all that? Well, here's the benefits just listen to this for benefits. I'm going to be uh, somebody everybody wants to talk to. I'm going to be, become a great listener. Uh, I'm, going to, um, I'm going to find my friendships much, much better, much deeper. I'm going to find my personal relationships much deeper and much healthier. I'm going to find it far easier to, in the romantic area. I'm going to find my workplace uh, a lot easier to work, work in because I will be creating empathy and listening and, and all those things that are going on. Um, and, and, you know, I'll find that I'm less stressed, less anxious and that I'm enjoying my life more. Now, all of those things, like if, if, if you said to a person uh, who's 16 or 17, you need 600 points in the Leaving Cert if you're going to be anything in life. I would say I couldn't care less how many points you got. And people, often parents look at me in horror when I say that. No, I want to know what are your social skills like? Yeah. How good are you at people? How good are you at communicating with people? How, what's your self-acceptance like? You know, because if you have those kind of skills, you will work your way in life. You will find a notch for yourself. Why? Because you'll, you'll be a good uh, communicator. You'll yes. be a good connector. And that's all that I would want for, for a young person. By the age of 25, I would say to them, as long as you're emotionally happy and stable in life and are a good communicator, you are well on your way. Do you know what I mean? To 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 to, to a happy Fantastic, life. Fantastic, you know Harry. I mean? That's so positive to hear all yeah. of those and what can come of this. Just before we finish, in a word, this ain't going to go away. Technology, the phones. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the pandemic is past. There's still a little bit of hangover from that. Of course, the hybrid working situation. The phone, in particular. Do you see the day coming when it's going to have to be left aside? I think, we, I think you know, all of us, a whole lot of us, and stop blaming young people, by the way. This is all of us. We all of us have to start being responsible. And that means we have to start focusing what do we actually do on our behaviour. So that mind for me, I, here's some tips. No phones at mealtimes. No phones if you're going out with your family for the night. No phones uh, if, you're, if you're going out in a relationship, do you know what I mean? If you're going out with some of your friends, leave your phones behind you. Who, who said you need them? Do you know what I mean? The world what didn't end 20 years ago when you didn't have a phone. It's <laughs> not going to end now. Uh, also, this is really important for me, and I keep saying this all the time. Everybody in the house, all phones, all phones should be in a central location and switched off at, say, 10 o'clock at night. End of story. Mm. And if we all started to do that and took, if I go for a run, leave your phone behind you. Why do you have to bring a phone with you? Do you know, it's almost as if I, maybe I'm going to miss something, fear of FOMO, fear of missing out. Yes. You, the, the, the bottom line is, if you want to develop a, a more healthy, uh, uh, mentally health and well-being, do you know what I mean, and more resilient, uh, start kind of... Uh, 
taking responsibility for your phone it would be a very good place to start. That's it. But add in your social skills. Absolutely. You know? Very, yeah, very yeah, important. Yeah. The book is called The Power of Connection by Dr. Harry Barry. It's available everywhere at the moment. I congratulate you again on a brilliant work and that's great advice on the phone. We're not saying get rid of them all together, yeah. shut the part and parcel of life, yeah. but do manage them. Manage that is them. the message today. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Harry Barry, until the next time, thank you so much. No, an absolute pleasure, Jerry. Cracking song, isn't it? Vanessa Carlton, Thousand Miles, on your late lunch this afternoon. And whether you're listening to us a thousand miles away or less, you're very welcome to the show this afternoon. Now, Louise, a, a listener has been in touch with us to send us in images of a Euro starter pack, Louise. Yeah. It's a whole load of coins, wasn't it? Yes. From every coin that you ever would need, you bought, I think, from for six, I think it was 6.35, she said, is it? Okay. And now I think she said, hang on, I'll just get it up. It's worth, is it 30 euro now? 30 euro. What an investment that is. You know what I mean? If you bought it back then, anyone got that euro starter pack, if you have it, 6.35, over 30 Euro, it's worth now at this stage. Sorry, I'm lying. It's uh, sorry, just to say, it was a, it was seven hundred fifty thousand starter packs were distributed okay. at the time. Okay. On the fourteenth of December two thousand and one. Right. So the kits were worth six euro thirty five. Yes. And they cost five Irish punt to buy. To buy. Okay. And the coins in these packs were all minted in uh, the same year. And today, such starter kits would cost would are worth between 50 and 30 quid. So even 30, even 15 quid is... is it's a multiple of three. Yeah. And if it's 30, up to 30, mm-hmm. it's a multiple of six. What an investment that is. Not many investments have made that much over the years. she has unopened. Unopened. Must mention this to John Lowe the next time we're talking. He's a great man for these... Yeah, investments. Little, you know, quirky investments. Yeah, I wonder has he indeed. But there you go. Thanks indeed for letting us know about that. There's Kathleen in with a £50... Uh, banknote from the Bank of Ireland uh, and has it at the moment and also sent me a lovely picture of our snowdrops and we will be talking big time about snowdrops on late lunch tomorrow afternoon I can tell you thanks indeed to everybody who sent us in pictures of their notes there's loads of them there I really do appreciate you're fantastic you really are now Glenside Hotel all this week have given us fantastic prizes and they are gearing up for Valentine's Day at the hotel check out what's going on at glensidehotel.com Give them a call. They'd be delighted to talk to you. The rooms have been renovated. It's buzzing the place at the moment. And buzzing to tell me about the bugbear in her love life is Kira. Hello, Kira. Hi, how are you? I'm really good. Well, look, at it's Love Bug Week and Late Lunch, but we sort of reversed it. What bugs you about the one you love? It's a gentleman, I take it, Yes. Yes, my husband. Okay, tell us. Go on. What's the story? <laughs> Oh, he's just constantly on the phone, Jerry. Oh, my goodness, he's on it so much that sometimes when he's sitting beside me, I have to ring him. <laughs> <laughs> Will you oh, listen? so bad. I hope he was listening to Harry Barry a few moments ago who was telling people you got to put the phone down and leave it aside <laughs> yes. at, at times. Tell him that. Tell him Dr. Harry Barry is telling him now he's got to... So it's that bad. It really is that bad. And he's that it's much on the phone. You're actually sitting in the same room and you're ringing him. <laughs> 
Yes, the nation knows, Jerry. Now the nation knows. <laughs> the nation knows is right. Well, my God, that would certainly bug me for sure. There's no doubt about that. Oh, God help you. That has to stop. Tell them you were talking to us today at late lunch, and this is it. Drawing a line in the sand now. No more ringing in the same room, okay? Okay. It's Thank over. You, it's over. It's over. Anyway, for being a good sport, getting in touch with us, telling us the story, you win the prize today. I have a hundred euro Yay! voucher for you <laughs> to spend on a beautiful Carvery lunch at the Glenside Hotel, and they do Carveries brilliantly up there. So that's yours today. And please, God, those phone calls will stop, Kira. <laughs> Thank you very much. Not at all. Take care of yourself. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. That's Kira there. <laughs> the thing that bugs her about her love. Louise, you were telling me yesterday, I know it's not in this neck of the woods, but a statue of the Virgin Mary was stolen. This is a big statue, is it? Uh, over five foot. <gasps> oh, yeah. my word. It's in Wicklow. Yeah. Um, and they reckon it, it's going to have to have a few people to remove it because it's up on a height as well. So yeah. they had to carry it down a kind of a hill. Um, and it, it was in a hundred year old grotto. So no it's gone way. from, is it Kil- Kilmackinog? Yeah, Kilmackinog, right? yeah. Kilmackinog. Yeah, village in Wicklow, yeah. Yeah, it was discovered missing on Monday night. Who would want a five foot solid was, statue yeah. of the Virgin? Honestly, to Taken take from it its pedestal. What are they going to do? Or what's the, the plan behind it? Because we were talking about the Leah Fall yesterday and the mm. vandalism on it. But now the poor Virgin Mary Gone. whipped mm. all together. And I'll tell you, it would take quite a bit to replace a five Moving foot. statues. Oh, do you remember the moving statues? <laughs> do you remember them? Oh, God, do I? They didn't, they didn't quite balance spittle. extremes. Yeah, balance spittle, wasn't it? It was balance spittle when the statue moved and then they were yeah. moving all over the country. But, but sure, these actually, this one actually moved and she disappeared. moved and disappeared altogether. But if you start, stare at something long enough, sure, it starts to wobble anyway. Sure, the country went mad around about that. But a little... <laughs> After a few pints, it starts to wobble. <laughs> a little vignette about the Virgin Mary statue. Or, uh, I think I told this before, but I might, it just reminded me of it again when we were at school. Uh, we had a fight in the class. I think we were in fifth year in the Christian Brothers. And there was a big statue of the Virgin Mary at the back of the class. Naturally being a Christian Brothers school. And it was a good good height, Louise. I'd say she was three to four foot. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Made of alabaster. Do you know they made of that stuff? Anyway, one of the jackets went back and round the head of the Blessed Virgin and she hit the deck. They threw in, it? Like, or yeah, we were just, firing coats, oh, you know, okay. fighting. And a coat went up round our head and down she came. Ooh. It was up on a shelf and it down she came and hit the floor in bits everywhere. <sighs> Oh, Louise, the teacher, Mucky Dunn was one of the teachers and he was now, he was a a real um, Catholic zealot altogether. He was teaching next door. He came flying in. He was horrified. Um, The brother was called, the brothers were called. Oh, this was, we were kept in in detention. They wouldn't let us home to see who took the statue down. And you know what? I always admired the boys. Nobody, nobody broke ranks. We, we were all guilty. Now, I don't want was to say I have an idea who it was. Oh, no. So it wasn't you. All right. Okay. <laughs> I was involved in the swinging of the coat. All right. But <laughs> anyway, uh, we all had to pony up. We were kept in. We were. I think we got lines. Remember, we were talking about the lines yeah. last week. The hundreds of them. No decades of the rosary. No. no. And we all had to bring in a few bob to replace the statue okay mm. statue was replaced but anyway the four foot blessed virgin became a foot <laughs> that's all you could afford <laughs> that's all we could afford <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but we did replace her. But it was this little Probably tiny thing. plastic, not alabaster. <laughs> you could barely see it above on the shelf <laughs> where the four foot virgin was. Oh, I remember that so well. Those were the days. Anyway, uh, watch this space. That story perhaps said the Gardaí are looking into it to see where the Blessed Virgin has gone. So we'll uh, see. It'll be on Crime Watch, I'm sure, uh, <laughs> later this month. <laughs> It will, it will, seriously. I'm serious there. Yes, it will. <laughs> With Sharon Lee Violon, he'll be uh, putting up pictures of the statue. Anyone see this? Paddy's been on to say, Jerry, there was a great photo. It was either the Independent of the Times of a grotto with the statue missing and somebody put a notice up back in 10 minutes. <laughs> I love it, Paddy. I love it. Thank you so much. You're very witty, our listeners. You really are. Now, let's move along. On late lunch this afternoon, on a serious note, the pressures on people in general and families is immense at the moment with the uh, increases in energy costs and the price of food and just everything in general. Good friend of ours, Ashling Lowe from the Mead Food Bank, is on the line. Hello again, Ashling. Hello, Terry. How are you? I am really good. But look at it made national news right across right across the country yesterday, and of course you're part of this with the demand on food banks just going through the roof. Your experience no different, Ashley? No different whatsoever. Actually, a hell of a lot worse. And mm. um, we've we've had to actually cut our costs big time. Um, we won't be doing um, perishable foods any longer. We can't afford to do them. Um, so we're just concentrating now on the non-perishable food so that we can get extra shells and into the food bank uh, to cater for, for you know, non-perishable stuff. But, um, yeah, Christmas time, 348 hampers went out across me family struggling. Um, and then also we looked after 1,500 families in emergency accommodation. Wow, those figures are huge. Just go back to the to the uh, uh, perishable versus non-perishable. What? Why? Why no perishable? Well, the perishable food, um, Jerry, has just gotten so expensive. Butter, milk, bread. You know, like your basics? Basics, Uh, yeah. All them things have gotten so expensive. We just, we just can't cater to the need because if we had 20 20 hampers, say in a day, Mm. that's 20 litres of milk, 20 sliced pans, 20 blocks of cheese for a child's lunch. Mm. You know, so you're, you're going into big numbers then. So what used to be half our shopping bill quadrupled. Right. So you're trying to stretch the money as much as you can and going Absolutely. for yeah. So we're, mm. what we're going to be doing now, Jerry, is we're going to be doing powdered milk where people have to make it up themselves. I've done a lot of research into how the American food banks work. So um, they'd have a lot of um, meals that would be jarred or tinned or you know, like um, hot dogs in a tin and, mm. you know, things like you can get meat in a tin. Yeah. So we have to operate that way from here on in because it's, it's it's you know, you're, you have to cut your costs. You mm. have to um, squeeze your belt in when times are rough. Our donations are, are 
are are not fantastic. They're good at times, but there's not a steady flow anymore. Yeah. You know, so we have to kind of um, keep going with what we have. As I said, it just be like the loaves and the fishes. Sometimes people have been so generous over the Christmas period, but in saying that, we have we there was times where. Over the Christmas period, Jerry, you wouldn't believe this. We were stunned ourselves where the large donations that we would get in were like last in one Mississippi, two Mississippi and gone. Mm. And then we were waiting for more donations to come in to carry out the rest of our hampers. So we emptied, I'd say we emptied the food bank at least 12 to 13 times where I mean there was nothing on the shelves. Mm. And people looking for your assistance, that's changed too. There are people who are working away, earning and that, but they're being stretched so much with everything, you're getting more requests from people you might not expect normally. Is that fair? Absolutely. It's it's. We have an awful lot of families who are working who are probably having a tougher time, you know, than families who would be on social welfare payments. Because um, social welfare payments, a lot, a lot of the people who are on social welfare will get support, you know, extra support. Mm. But if you're working, there's very little. There's very little support. And the, 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 most of the things that I'm hearing from people, like, like yesterday, that people are just paying constant. They're paying now to get to work with the cost of fuel gone up. That's hitting them. Then also, if they have a mortgage to pay, if they have a gas bill to pay, and if they have an ESD bill to pay. Yeah, I've heard of examples of uh, the combined ESB gas arriving for the last two months, which, you know, there's been a lot of cold weather. It's the depth of winter time of the year. And by God, the bills are huge and people are wondering... You know, how are I'm we going sure, to... Jerry, Jerry, between myself and yourself, I'm sure you see it at home as I well. I do, I do, absolutely. You know. Yep, I do, I do. And there's no doubt about that. Ours even, and there's only a couple of us in the house, but I couldn't believe when ours came in. It's gone through the roof. And I can only imagine if you have a family and small children and you need more heat and that yeah. as well, and you're there during the day, it's it's a real, real... Or even, Jerry, if you're an elderly person, yeah, true. you don't need more heat, yeah. you know. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Look, the only bright spot is that we're into the middle of February now and we're moving out of the spring and please God, the weather will, you know, it's, I look at it a week ahead, it's, it's not too bad at that, but that doesn't mean you'll need heat and morning and night, at least in, in homes. So for yourselves, just to, to tell people today, Mead Food Bank is there. You take donations. Where can people we, donate to you? We do. We take donations and um, we're open now. We're open... Um, Monday to Friday at Clenard House and Market Square in Navan. We're just beside Leon's Cafe. And we're just in the office building there. And we take in any non-perishable donations. At the moment now, we're um, doing up our toiletry bags for, for homeless individuals. So we got 400 out last week. And we got... Um, you know, like children's scarves, hats, gloves, socks, mm. and for adults as well. So 
we've been doing that too because um, there's there's so many people. It's just it's unbelievable. All of the services are just stretched to capacity. Yeah. You know, and like that, I hate having to. I have to go through people's circumstances now to make sure that they're truly in need. Mm. And I hate I hate having to do that. But when you've X amount to work off of, there's nothing you can do. You know, only it's like, as I said to you, loaves and fishes. It's yeah. sharing a little bit of food out amongst a lot of people. Mm. And it's a big call on you and to have to make decisions of, of where it goes. I Just before we finish, there's one area I didn't uh, uh, talk about, but it, it's significant as well. And I know the prices, Louise was telling me earlier on, have gone belubas. That's children's formula for small babies and baby food. Oh, Jerry! you know, the, this woman broke my heart now yesterday. She's, her husband's working. She's working. And they're just, on top of themselves between the bills and the mortgage and the devil knows what they only had 30 quid left to put into their into their ESB meter to last them a week and they had no food in the press and their little infant their little infant is on specialised milk now there was a time where the HSC did cover children who were you know had special dietary requirements on the medical card but they don't seem to do that anymore because this milk that I bought in Tesco for, for, for this child's needs was like €37. Euros. God almighty, that whole little bit of money they had left wouldn't even buy that. It's shocking. It wouldn't Look, even buy that. Yeah, it wouldn't even buy it. And so that's an example. To, you know, I, I just have to do up like their baby hampered, you yeah. know, for their infant. And, yeah. um, you know, there's children who are fussy eaters and they'll only eat, you know, certain things. Yeah. And I have to put in all of the things into their hamper, you know, to look after the child for yeah. the week or whatever, you know, until oh, they get paid again. I'll tell you, Ashling, you're a fantastic woman and the people who work with you as well. I'm leaving it there for today. I wish yeah. you well. All donations accepted, Mead Food Bank and people are, their generosity is greatly appreciated. Thank you for joining me on the show, Ashling. No bother, Jerry. Thanks for having me mm, again. Not at all. Take care of yourself. Wonderful woman, Ashling Lowe. It's just coming to ten past three on late lunch, and we do this each afternoon. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's the number two from this week in 1979. And when I tell you it's the first single from the group's sixth album called Voulez-Vous. I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. Yes, of course, it's ABBA. Another big hit for them, a number one in many countries across the world, but it peaked at number two in the UK. It's the Spanish word, Chiquitita. Chiquitita, you and I Number two this day in the top five countdown, Chiquitita from ABBA, meaning little girl in Spanish. And did you know that to this day, 
50% of the proceeds from that song go to UNICEF. Isn't that a lovely touch from what was released right to today? Any royalties, 50% go to UNICEF. Well done to Abba there. I want to dedicate that to Kitty Kerwin from Mullen Park in Drogheda, who is celebrating her 80th birthday today. Have a wonderful day, Kitty. That comes in with lots of love from your son, Brian, Fiona, Peter and Neve. And joining in that birthday request is today Jimmy Carlin in Carrick McCross. It's his birthday. Happy birthday, Jimmy, from Tia Bryan, Arthur, Oscar, Sid, Marilyn and Sassy. Have a great day, both of you. Frankie Horn in Summerhill has a half a crown. Oh, well done to you. That is certainly valuable for sure. And Patricia from RD was on to us to say Dr Harry Barry nailed the breakdown in social skills perfectly, Jerry. When the lockdown hit, those of us who lost loved ones during this time would meet up at the cemetery and we'd have a good chat. We were all in grief and it was therapy speaking with people walking in your shoes. It's important to keep social skills like this the norm. Thank you, Patricia. Lovely message. Thanks indeed. Really do appreciate Navin Theatre Group are staging the Lieutenant of Inishmore, but they're properly stuck, aren't you, Joanne Donoghue? We properly are, yes, indeed. <laughs> we have a, a big task ahead of us. Well, tell us about you. You're part of Team Blood. Oh, my word. What's this? <laughs> It sounds very gruesome. Um, Well, we're the special effects team, I suppose, that um, are trying to get this play to really come to life for an Avon Theatre group. Um, And we're trying to do all the special effects because there's quite a bit of um, blood and gore involved in this play. There's um, gunshots and a lot of... um, uh, boisterous kind of lunacy that uh, goes on. Uh, so we're trying to, I suppose, figure out how to make it look as kind of real as possible. So how can we help you, please? Well, we need a workshop space because we have um, we have quite a bit of uh, props to make. We have to make body parts and um, we have to figure out how to do blood effects. So we need a workspace and we're struggling with that at the moment. My kitchen table has been commissioned, but um, uh, we're we're uh, running out of space and uh, we really need somewhere that like a shed or a workshop or something that we could just use to um, leave our props in and do a little bit of experimentation. Well, look, that's not such a giant ask or huge ask of anybody. And I'm sure there's somebody listening in the Navin town area today that can absolutely help you. When does the play open? The play opens on Tuesday, the 21st of March and runs until Saturday, the 25th in Solstice. Um, so it's not too far away. Just we will need to be doing a lot of work now in the next few weeks. So yeah. it would be great just to have somewhere to, to really get going and uh, get all our props done. And you'll be credited and think of the input you'll have to these wonderful people's creativity when you yeah. help them out. What's the easiest way for people to contact you? Um, well, even if they want to um, contact the Navin Theatre Group, uh, on, we're on Facebook and we're on Instagram. Great. And we have your number here if somebody wants to give us exactly. a shout at the station. And of course, our own Mark here is an integral part of the team too, isn't he? He certainly is. He's keeping us right with um, all the props and keeping us organised and on track for uh, this amazing production, yeah. Um, your own role uh, with the team, uh, do, do you rotate the roles or is this your specialist area? 
No, it's certainly not my specialist area. Um, yeah, we, we rotate the roles. Um, I suppose I joined the group in 2005, so I've been on stage and backstage. Um, it's just a great group to be involved with. Um, it's really great fun and great camaraderie, and you're learning new skills and doing new things all the time. So it's it's a fabulous, fabulous group. And it brought home to you people, we were talking to Dr. Harry Barry earlier in the show, but the power of connection between us as human beings and when you were off stage with the pandemic by god wasn't it great i'm sure from your perspective too to get back absolutely i just got back there and we had one axe there in solstice um a couple of months ago and it was amazing because it was hard we were trying to keep linked up through zoom and stuff which was nice to keep the connection there but Mm. it's not the same as being yeah meeting people for real and meeting new people it's brilliant Let's help this wonderful group, the Navin Theatre Group. Give us a shout here at LMFM and we'll put you in touch. Or across social media, they're all over it there. The Lieutenant of Inishmore, you'll be helping them greatly with a wee premises to keep the props. Wish you well, Joanne. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care of yourself. That's almost it on late lunch this afternoon. Eddie Caffrey's on the way, but news just breaking that legendary composer Bert Bacharach has passed away at the age of 94. Now, there's a man has made a huge difference in the world and brought joy to so many. So we'll say goodbye to you on late lunch today, remembering Bert Bacharach with one of his greatest compositions. It's Miss Aretha Franklin, and I say a little prayer. See you tomorrow. Lord Reston. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.